Thanks for tuning in to the Boiler Express podcast. Join us each week as we dive into all things Purdue sports. You'll hear in-depth analysis of our previous and upcoming games, as well as interviews with players and people involved in the Purdue sports fandom. Be sure to check us out on Twitter and YouTube for our live stream shows as well. Awesome. Well, thank you guys for uh, tuning in today to the Boiler Express podcast. Love the uh, new uh, end of the intro there. We got Dylan on there, so he's officially now part of the Boiler Express podcast. Last week was his trial run. So, Had to go uh, through a probationary period. <laughs> right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, pretty boring week in Purdue athletics. Not a lot to talk about. Basketball is doing okay. Football, pretty quiet week. Not a lot going on. Um, no, but... Uh, there's a ton to talk about tonight. It, it, it's pretty crazy. Um, you know, it's kind of funny that our basketball team is ranked number one in the country, and that's kind of being overshadowed by something else right now. <laughs> uh, only the second time for it to happen in program history, happening in back-to-back seasons, but something else is kind of, you know, taking that over right now, and that's uh, football. Um, we've we've got a new football coach. So uh, welcome, Coach Ryan Walters. Uh, we're pretty excited to have you here. We are, uh, I think, all – Excited about that for maybe different reasons, and we'll get into that later. Um, but it's been a crazy week. <laughs> and so to start this off, you guys know how well I do with timelines uh, and keeping track of when things happen. So I kind of wanted to do that again this week. Um, and so last Tuesday when we met, there, Brom hadn't technically left yet. There was a lot of word out there. There was a lot of hearsay. My mom's grandma's ex-geckos, uncle's um, V8 told me that um, – Coach Brown was going to Louisville and, uh, you know, that ended up happening. We all understand, you know, he was, he was going home, but what was your guys' initial reactions to hearing that finally officially announced? Well, as someone who lives in the city of Louisville, I am so tired of hearing about it constantly. (laughs) Dude, I I bet that's gotta be awful. What about you, Russ? How is it? Yeah. I I thought he was going to go another direction. Um, as someone that lives in the area, um, it was more, you know, we knew he was going to leave eventually, it was more of a feeling that Louisville doesn't deserve him. You know, the way they, they drug his name through the mud and, you know, tried to remove him from videos and tributes and said he's just a bum 500 coach and now all of a sudden he's the savior. Like, I just – that was my feeling. It was I was more upset that Louisville got him than that we lost. Yeah, and I'll, I'll echo that. Um, you know, I've been to several Louisville football games in the last few years and – you know, what Russ is talking about, they had this video where they sort of tribute uh, some of the great quarterbacks of all time. Uh, they, they have Brian on there. They have Oscar on there. No Jeff. Uh, Jeff used to be on there. And after he turned down the job the first time, uh, they, they removed him from that video. And yeah, kind of the general sentiment from a lot of fans that I've talked to about it, because being an outspoken Purdue fan in the city of Louisville, people always want to you know bring up Jeff Brown, but uh, the general sentiment was like, ah, he's not, he, he's okay. He's a 500 coach. Like we're better than that. You know, and now that he's back, it's uh, like, he's the savior of the program, a program that's coming off a seven win season too. So, and had the number one recruiting or the best recruiting class in school history coming in. So like I said, uh, you know, I, I think we all knew it was coming. I'm just, yeah, it's just being shoved down my throat every day by everyone around me, which is frustrating. Yeah, thankfully, um, you know, usually my dad is the one that rags on me for anything that happens with Purdue. Like, if a game is happening, it's a tight one, and there's like, you know, it's a one or two point game, and there's like 
30 seconds left. He he's blowing up my phone, FaceTiming me, going like, man, what oh Purdue's gonna choke, produce, produce this, produce that. And uh, you know, he hasn't said one thing to me this week about it, which was uh, really surprising. Honestly, I haven't heard a lot. Um, I do have a buddy that I work with who uh is just a big sports guy in general. So we've chatted <laughs> about it a little, little bit, but um yeah, it was definitely a cycle of like emotions. It was this like damn, we lost him. Um, to like understanding okay yeah he's going home and then also just like confusion too because he's gotta like not he's got to be aware of like everything that was said about him everything that was you know probably he probably knows that he was removed from that video package knows all those things so um i get it that he's going home it's just really interesting to me to that still like um that even though all those things happen he's still like oh yeah i love louisville i'm coming back home i'm I'm the prodigal son. Um, so, yeah, it's just really interesting. Um, bummed that we lost him, but uh, I, I get it. Well, and I I want nothing but success for Jeff Brom. I, I truly, truly mean that. You know, he, he, he dug us out of the mud. He brought us to, um, you know, a national relevancy again. And uh, But I just can't shake the feeling that maybe this is an incredibly risky career move for him. I mean, when you look at someone like Scott Frost, for example, his relationship with Nebraska is probably soured permanently uh, as a result of, you know, his, his poor performance. And you can, you can be, you know, most memorable quarterbacks, one of the most memorable players for a team. Doesn't mean you necessarily have to go coach there. Um, you know, it, it, it sometimes works out and it sometimes doesn't. Um, but they're, a, you know, they're a, um, they're a ruthless fan base here. You know, if, uh, if they don't get, you know, immediate eight win seasons, it's, it's uh, that's what the expectation here is with all the buzz around me every day is that, you know, that, that uh, they're just immediately going to have a lot of success and results. And, you know, if that doesn't happen, he, he, he might be on a short leash. I hope not. Like I said, I hope nothing for the, you know, nothing but the best for him, but hopefully that's not the case here. <clears throat> What'd you guys think of that? Um, that video they made him do for basket for to like promote the basketball game. To like pack I mean, the yump center. I won't it, be it was there, painful. but you should be there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Hey guys, I won't be there, but you all should be there. I've got stuff yeah. to do, you guys. I uh <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah, I mean, uh, you know, again, something you would never see at Purdue and something honestly, historically, you'd really never expect to see at Louisville. Um, but um similarly, you know, they hired a guy who played there uh, as their basketball coach, you know, the guy who is going to bring in recruits and get people in the seats. And man, there's a lot of parallels there. And um, they're, they're 0 and 10, 0 and 9, 0 and 10 right now. Um, not saying that's going to happen to Brom. Again, I wish him nothing but success, but uh, <clears throat> just interesting that, that they, you know, the same athletic administration went with the, you know, guy who was, you know, the, the prodigal son was going to get people in the seats. And uh, we'll just TBD, TBD. Yeah. 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 I was looking at um, Louisville's schedule for next year. And honestly, I looked at it and I, I thought, I was thinking, you know, with the season they're coming off of and the recruiting class they're bringing in and, and the people they've poached from us, um, I, I could see like an eight or nine win season just because I don't feel like that schedule is that strong. Um, it's really, there was no team on there that I was like, oh, that's an automatic loss. Or at least not that Maybe I can recall. Yeah. Yeah. That's, Probably, uh, you know, closer to an automatic loss, but honestly, they didn't have too many on there that, you know, none that that I would compare to like a Michigan or an Ohio State or, mm -hmm. 
you know, even a Penn State. Um, so, yeah. speaking of their schedule, um, they do have a marquee, if you want to call it, matchup in uh, Lucas Oil again with uh, IU. So, who are we rooting for in that game? <laughs> oh, it's got to be. Louisville. Oh, I'm, I'm Louisville. A billion I'm rooting for Louisville I, again. You know, I, you know, I'm living in the city of Louisville. You know, I don't know Russ if you experienced this or not, but I'm a, you know, I'm I'm a secondhand Louisville fan. It's going to be harder now, you know, than it, than it is uh, been in the past, but. Um, you know, uh, and I got, God, I hate IU. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. yeah. So what about this scenario? It's their, what's their third game of the year? I think it is. So mm-hmm. what if we stumble to an O and two start, they start two and O does that change? <laughs> now, I don't my think hatred so. for IU runs deeper than anything. So. I was gonna say, yeah, I, I'm thinking about, just, you know, maybe going to that game next year, just, uh, just, to help cheer on uh, an IU loss. You know, yeah, got to cheer on the good cause. Um, But yeah, so um, so that happened. So Coach Brom left and we were all bummed about it and went through that that whole cycle. Um, And then the 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 rumor mill starts, the coaching carousel, the Babinski. By the way, hats off to Mike (laughs) Babinski. He kept this thing locked, sealed because I was following. I, I bought the GBI for a year subscription thing. And every day it was like, all right, day two, day three, day four, we still know nothing. This might be somebody who's talking to, I'm not really sure. Um, and that's usually not the case. I feel like they, uh, they usually keep, you know, there's usually a leak of some kind. Um, and we heard a couple names, but there wasn't really like a solid, uh, you know, beat writer out there saying like, oh, this is what we're hearing or anything like that. So, you know, that, that was crazy. Um, but what did you guys think, you know, when the rumor mill was starting and, and all those names were getting thrown out there and everything? I think I just kind of – I kind of had, like, my big board of, like, hopefuls. Mm-hmm. But I really just didn't know because there was no info. Like, I just didn't know <laughs> how it was going to work out. And I think that might have been the most frustrating thing about this whole thing. Yeah, I mean, the uh, – the- the the thing is is that you know i try not to buy into these like you know my my mailman's best friends neighbors you know father-in-law someone knows someone in the department and this is who they're hiring or you know uh can't name my source but sources close to the situation i mean again you know i sent the screenshot in our group chat of all the sources who had confirmed you know sources with blue check marks even confirming that matt painter was going to missouri um, you know, so I, uh, as much as I tried not to buy into any particular name or, you know, get my hopes up, uh, you know, I just, I knew that everything was just rumors and speculation and, you know, following planes from South Carolina and you know, things like that. Like it just, you, you, you know, I knew once, you know, we would know who our coach was once they named who our coach was, but I will say things went from about zero to one twenty really quick. It was like, yeah. You know, this morning it was like oh mm, the scoreboard's on. I think we might know who our coach. Oh, here's our coach. Like it just like yeah. it was. What was it like? Forty five minutes from when? Oh God, he's here. Heard- yeah, forty five yeah. minutes from when we first heard like the scoreboard was on and some other things were going on. To- good old Jebediah. Yeah. Shout to out. <laughs> shout out Jebediah. <laughs> now and then, like forty five <laughs> minutes later, it's like, oh, he's a new coach. It's like, well, we- I think within twenty minutes, Brent McMurphy had yeah. said something. And then it was officially out by the football team 
which yeah, kudos the to the athletic being department on like the scoreboard there. What was that, Dylan? So the scoreboard being on was like the smoke yeah. leaving the facility, yeah. and we're like, oh, yeah. oh man, the scoreboard's on. Those are white smoke. Oh, they swept the floors today, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, they mopped. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we all discussed, as far as just how the feeling was as soon as Brom left, we all discussed <laughs> it being an, a situation that was new to Purdue fans. You know, we aren't used yeah. to our coach getting poached. You know, we're used to firing a guy because he didn't perform well or, you know, Tiller retiring because he's, you know, the game's kind of passed him by. So, you know, the blank slate was actually kind of exciting, though. Once you once you actually got over the disappointment and the sadness of Brom leaving, it was like, wow, now what's going to happen? Like, we aren't stuck having to hire a power five or a group of five guy. Like, we halfway expected that could happen, and that was one of the bigger rumors. But then, you know, there was also – you know, Beamer from South Carolina being rumored and different OCs and Dan Mullen and Ed Orgeron. Like, you know, it was just like, it was kind of cool to see the broad spectrum of like anything could happen. And because Bobinski was so good at keeping it tight lipped, it just kept running and running and running. And we just went off on tangent after tangent. So I, I thought it was kind of cool. I thought it was kind of yeah, cool. Yeah, Bobinski did a hell of a job. That's fun to oh say. Oh my God. Bobinski. <laughs> Bobinski. I've been catching myself doing it at work, just feeling Bobinski. <laughs> Coworkers are like, "What? Is he okay?" <laughs> but yeah, uh, he he kept such a tight lip on everything. Like there was nothing, so people were grabbing for everything. Um, you know, it started off. I think Ryan or not Ryan uh, Tyson Helton was the first kind of name out there that was, um, you know, mentioned as being a front runner for the spot, and even Tom Dinart. Uh, when he was being interviewed on BTN Live, was saying that that he was that's who he thought it was going to be. Um, so I feel like when you're fooling those guys, those guys that are usually very tuned in and and locked in with the the know how or or the what's going on, um, that's pretty impressive. Um, but yeah, it you know I remember listening to the the presser with Babinski when the coaching search was first announced and. It was really cool listening to him because he was just very matter of fact, was very like, I'm not going to answer these kinds of questions. I'll answer, you know, these and, you know, we'll see where we go. And yeah, they were talking to him about, you know, what offensive kind of mind are you looking for? That's Purdue's bread and butter, the cradle of quarterbacks, all the stuff. And he's like, we don't necessarily have to go for uh, an offensive guru, um, which at the time I didn't really pay attention to, but now it's, you know, connecting the dots to them. Maybe it was something that he was already looking for um, from the, from the beginning. Maybe that was his mind is like, he wants to move towards a more defensive um, Purdue being that more defensive threat, kind of leaning into that den of defensive ends. So, um, so yeah. Uh, and then, um, you know, today we found out that Ryan Walters, the defensive coordinator from Illinois, is our, our new head coach. So what were your guys' initial reactions to that? I mean, uh, I'll just I'll make my initial reaction uh, shown here. You know, I'm, I'm all for it, you know, uh, <laughs> and, I, and I think I think, uh, you know, everyone here as a part of the group is, is for it as well. I know there are some mixed mixed opinions, but um you know the guy. The guy's young. He's energetic. Uh, you know that video of him giving Mockaby a scholarship and the players' reaction in the locker room. Like that got me hyped up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think he. I I think personality-wise, you know, and, and play style-wise, he's he's a different you know type of coach than we're used to having. 
Um, but I, you know, I definitely think that he's going to bring a lot of energy and, uh, from, I gauge a lot of it by how upset Illinois fans are about losing him. So, um, yeah, they, were you know, they're, they weren't, they're not yeah, they were upset. And, uh, I saw a tweet earlier today that Bielema said he knew, uh, he was going somewhere. So they have like a replacement. They had a replacement. plan, and <clears throat> Yeah. Yeah. I was, yeah. um, uh, I was definitely excited. You know, it took me, it was a pause of like, okay, let me look up this guy real quick and figure some things out. And then it was like, okay, okay, I'm excited about this because it still is a, it is a step up. You know, I know it's not, okay, somebody else wants to go if I'm, if I'm broken up. But, no, man, I was excited for it. Uh, like you said, I did search him a bit and see, you know, uh, his ways of things, but like he's young, he's energetic. Uh, the players seemed very excited. You saw a lot of Purdue guys, Purdue players specifically, tweet their support for the hire. Um, I don't know, man. I'm excited. He's young. He's 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 a fresh start kind of a feel as the feel I'm getting. Um, I I think I, I can. I think we all notice how excited some of the players are. Um, so I don't know. I'm excited. I'm excited for his energy. I'm excited for a fresh start. Um, I think it'll be a fun. Uh, hopefully many 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 years that's one thing that i i noticed too right away was the player reaction um i really haven't found a an outspoken at least negative player reaction i mean the guys on the defensive side of the ball are obviously pumped like i i'm just sidebar i'm dreaming of of what sanusi kane can become under ryan walters like OC that brothers. Just, oh yeah oc brothers all those guys um and then on the yeah. offensive side of the ball, you know, uh, Brady Allen tweeted that, you know, he's he's ready to roll. Uh, you know, Devin Mockaby, obviously, you know, Dream School loves loves Purdue and has that scholarship now. Shout out to um, the Mockaby family. I, I Like I said on Twitter, so I go to war for the Mockaby. I love yeah. every single one of those folks. Yeah. I love them. I know. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, great people. Uh, great kid. Just he he's so passionate about Purdue. I mean. Like, I think it was his dad or his uncle tweeted, you know, it was his dream school, getting the scholarship. That's got to mean the world to him. Um, and that's just so cool to not only have that scenario where Purdue can do that for somebody, but it'd be somebody that's really good at what they do and loves Purdue, like just absolutely loves Purdue. So that's a, yeah. that's a really, really cool thing. <laughs> but, but yeah, I remember, uh, you know, the initial reaction I, I was excited as well um just looking up the stuff and i was even reading an article um and it compared offensive minded coaches to defensive and there really wasn't a huge difference in winning percentage it was 69 percent uh win percentage for that, those offensive minded coaches and it was 67 for defensive minded and they each used like a pool of like 1500 games um that they you know took samples from or from coaches um so uh really cool to see that that was uh you know something that is uh because i know that's a worry uh how is purdue going to handle a defensive minded coach how is purdue going to succeed in that and so what are what do you guys think purdue needs to do to be successful with a defensive minded coach well i think one thing one thing that we saw under the you know the sort of air raid style offense that the brahm ran was um I mean, and and this, I don't know. I'll just say there there, there is some inconsistency, right? 
Yeah. Uh, there were times where we looked like we could beat anybody. You know, there were times where we knocked off top five teams and, you know, times where we were like, who is this? What is this team? But, you know, one thing that happened every year was I, I, I went through this sort of like midseason crisis and wondering, like, how good is this team? Um, and I think I think when you rely so heavily on, you know, I think under Brom we passed on 68% of plays. So almost 70% of plays were throwing the ball. And when you rely so heavily on one person to make that play every time, um, you know, you're putting a lot of pressure um, on one guy. And so um, while, it's, while it's fun and I loved watching those teams, you know, I think that, you know, I, I, I welcome the transition to a more, you know, defensive-minded mentality and a more defensive-minded coach because I, um, you know, defense travels and defense can be a little bit more consistent and you're, you know, better at le- leveling the playing field. And someone made a great point today, you know, on Twitter and that, you know, we moved the ball well and put up points against Michigan. Um, you know, it's just, it, it, you know, to be able to stop other teams is, you know, 50% of the game, honestly. So um, to those who say, you know, Purdue has a, you know, a lights out air raid offense and that's what we want to do. I think you can get sucked into that mentality and can sometimes yield bad results when you try to say, this is what we do. I mean, to train to go to basketball for a second, look at Painter. I mean, we, we set the record in the synergy era for most post-ups, Isaac, Isaac Haas' senior year. And then the next record, we set the record for most threes in a season. I mean, like that, you have to be dynamic and you have to be flexible in any sport. Um, and so Painter is a great coach. And I think that, you know, a good program should be willing to adapt. And, you know, if we have a defensive minded coach, I say, let's go. You know, that's 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 my response. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, is this any better? We good? Yeah. Good. Okay. Okay. So uh, initially, like I was saying, one of the one of the big, um, you know, negative comments I wanted to address was, you know, someone said something about Brom laughing down in Louisville that we hired the guy he put 30 points up on. Well, we also put six scoring drives together against Michigan. Does Michigan have a bad defense now because we did that? Like, Brom was a good offensive mind that figured out the Illinois defense in one game that was kind of a cold, sloppy kind of a game. So I don't think that takes anything away from what he did at Illinois and the defense he built there and the defense he recruited there. Um, He also was part of putting together the sixth best recruiting class in 2023 for Illinois. And we're down at like 11 right now. I don't know if that factors in who we might've lost to Louisville, but he's probably going to bring some of those guys with him. Cause that's the nature of the business right now, you know? Right. So, you know, to disparage him, cause we, we beat them and put 30 points up, like, come on. So, Oh, you good. Okay. So let me crack my knuckles here for a minute. Hold them back. Hold them back. <laughs> so I said, I was going to, I had some stuff to say. Um, first, I am really excited about the hire. I've always kind of been a defensive guy, so I'm excited to have a defensive coach. Um, two, um, for the naysayers, there's probably two games a year that we lost because of the defense. Um, just give or take a little bit. And I saw one tweet today that talked about last defensive coach was Leon Burnett or Burnett. Um, in the 80s, and it didn't go very well. Besides the fact he won the 1984 Big Ten Coach of the Year, but that's besides the point. Um, the thing that I think I'm the m- most frustrated about is how the fan base reacted. Um, there was some stupid comments. Um, there were some ugly comments, and it it's frustrating to co- to have a successful program have a coach come in that is a national coordinator of the year and then disparage him because it wasn't Nick Saban or, you know, 
everybody's like, oh, he doesn't have coaching experience, blah, blah, blah. Dabo Sweeney was a wide receivers coach when he got hired at Clemson, and he's had 12 straight 10-win seasons and two national titles. We don't care. As if a guy can coach a position, he can coach a team. And right. and it's not about it's about leading men. It's not about experience. And you can't get experience unless you get hired as a coach somewhere. You know, um, Errol Hazel was a coach for a year at Kent State and came in and put us into purgatory. Um, mm-hmm. And and the thing that's that's most frustrating is is we get stuck in this purgatory of of Joe Tiller, um, which don't get me wrong, Joe Tiller's a great coach, great minded individual, but. We just get stuck in this innovative offense, innovative offense, innovative offense. Like everybody's doing innovative offenses right now. That's how you win football games. You know, um, you, you look at teams like um, Michigan. They're not out here slinging at 900 times. They're, they're a smash mouth football team and, and have a great defense. You know, same thing. You know, Georgia's a little bit kind of out of whack there. But, but and I, I attributed – this hire as if we hired Todd Monken, but it's just the defensive side of the ball. Todd Monken's one of the best offensive coordinators in the country, and you can make a case for him for being national coordinator of the year. It's just the same thing on the defensive side of the ball. And I think we need to get out of these stupid negative opinions every time somebody does something. People are like, oh, Babinski oversold his press conference. No, he didn't. He said we're not going to go – basically, the way I interpret it, he's not going to go out and hire a dude from Eastern Kentucky for the blind in order to hope that this dude doesn't suck. Right. Like he's not a Division I and, – and Walters has been a Division I. <laughs> what? He, Russ was just like, come on now, preach it. Preach. <laughs> Amen. Come on. Walters Hallelujah. has been a Division I football coach at every stop he's made besides North Texas. I'm 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 done. Support the guy, and I, I think now, and I did see a lot of posts about it on Twitter, that um, a lot of guys got won over by Maccabee getting that scholarship. Mm-hmm. And I think that did a lot, but people got to give the dude a break. He hasn't have a, even had his introductory press conference yet, and people are already shitting on him. Like, right. And, like, to, to that point, too, you know, uh, I was look, checking out his Twitter profile, um, you know, when they had announced his hiring and everything, and a little bit of time had passed, and – you know, he's on Twitter. He's liking stuff. When people are like saying, oh, this is a great hire. This He's on Twitter. So he sees people saying, oh, this is a great guy. Super excited for him. And they also see he also sees the fan base just dragging his name through the mud, just talking so much smack, which for I'm sure a guy like him is, is motivating. He wants to prove people wrong. He wants to change that narrative. But also it's like, damn, what did I just come into? You know what I mean? Um and for those of Which, you saying you're getting rid of your season tickets, you're an idiot. And, I'll take, and, I'll take, I'll take them. I'll take yes. it. And another thing is that, like, what what did people like if Brom stayed, what was your expectations for next year? Next year is a totally new football team. There's like eleven yeah. or twelve starters on defense alone that are re- either starters or regularly or regularly rotate in the defense, gone. And then there's Aiden O'Connell, Payne Durham, and Charlie Jones, gone. This is a totally new team this year. So I don't know if you thought Purdue was going to go 8-4, and 9-3 and three again. That's ridiculous. I mean, if they did, that'd be incredible, and that'd be an, an, an insane coaching story, and not to knock anybody that's currently still on the team. But those guys that just I would just mentioned were, were, the, were <laughs> the team. They were the big 
players, big factors in, in a lot of in, uh, us winning those games. And so it's crazy to think that, you know, if Coach Brom stayed, that your expectations were, you know, sky high still. Um, so, yeah, just wild. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, hopefully. It was really disappointing. Yeah, super disappointing. I get it. I get that you're scared. I get that people are scared. I get that people want to continue Purdue's success and think that uh, we should have swung higher for the fences, um, which I I think Walters is a great hire. I think that's still a swing. Um, he's a very er, – everything that I was reading up on him today was great up-and-coming coordinator. He's going to be a really hot name in the coaching market. You know, all these great things to say about him. So – I am I'm really excited. I think that the future could be really bright. Um, I would love to have a smash mouth, like in your face defense that like people are scared of. I would love that. So, um, I'm glad you said that because it kind of segue into a little comment I want to make and it's fitting that it was you that made that comment because you're all big about this tunnel and the thunder, the boilers, thunderstruck Mm, and that new student section, the new tunnel. What's a really good way to use your home field advantage with a dominant defense, right? Mm-hmm. What's a good way when your offense is rebuilding? What's a good way to still compete the next year? Scheme a new defense and bring in a new defensive coach that can shut the other team down while we're figuring out what we're doing on offense. I mean, I think it's a perfect hire. I think it's great. And it's funny too because flip flip sports, right? Basketball. Our whole persona in basketball is play hard. Defense lives here. Everyone loves that. Purdue fans love somebody busting their ass, diving on the floor for a, a loose ball, going, you know, trying to po- pick somebody's pocket, you know, taking it to the lane hard. Purdue fans live and breathe off of that in basketball, but all of a sudden in football, it's like, whoa, 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 let's pump the brakes here. Let's not, let's not get crazy. Let's just throw the ball really well and be okay on defense. Like, I don't know why that there's such a flip there. Um, I guess it's because we've seen you know, the offensive, you know, basketball and grass work, but I would love, I would absolutely love uh, Nick Carraway to just to be like a name that everybody else in the big 10 fears next year or Joe Strickland or that's a good possibility um, already. Corday Sidnor or everybody. I mean, these guys are hungry and they're excited. And shout out to those players because that was another cool thing that I don't know if you guys touched on when I stepped out for a second, but during that coaching search, Seeing the players basically recruit for us and basically say, "Hey, I'm in put. I still believe. I'm ready to do this." Like that was awesome. Like that was awesome. Yeah. Shout out and to then, shout out to Jason King too. Yeah, and then to see them to see them like embrace and get pumped up over this coaching hire. Hey, I'd rather see some negative fan base comments and see the players be super positive and super into the hire than the other way around. You know, seeing the players yeah. buying in this immediately. You know, let's go. I will say, oh, you know how excited this dude is to coach here. Within 20 minutes, he had changed his Twitter profile and had a video posted. Yeah, that's true. Well, and and uh, not to to stay stuck on the Louisville subject, but uh, it's just a, a coaching transition that I followed pretty closely for obvious reasons. But um, you know, the day that Scott Satterfield had announced that he had left, what did they have? Six guys enter the portal that day. Yeah. Um, and then like three or four decommits, you know, we haven't seen, I mean, we, we had guys under the portal, um, you know, before Brahman said he was, uh, said he was leaving, but 
Uh, you know, we haven't seen nearly anything to that magnitude. And, what, 4D yeah. commits, I think? Because I think uh, 5D commits and then two in the portal. Okay. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't know the number was that high, but it was. I mean, it, I mean, it, it was immediate. As soon as Scott Satterfield said he was leaving, there was like, you know, by the end of the day, they had. That one know, six kid was at Texas A&M before the sun went down. Yeah, and that was that. Yeah, that was one of the commits. He, uh, you know, uh, was a running back, which you know. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, that five star running back. Five star. I mean, uh, uh, you know, not knocking on Jeff Brom. Running, running isn't necessarily a strength of his offense. So I, uh, you know, I, I get that decision by him. So. um uh, but you know, just that again, I'm just comparing us to maybe other schools in general. You know, we we haven't seen the the magnitude yet, That's you know, of, of this. Uh, but there 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 will be some shuffles. I'm sure there will be a couple of players who you know aren't don't see themselves you know necessarily fitting into whatever this new scheme is, and you know will choose to take their talents elsewhere and. You know that's just that's just the unfortunate reality of, of college football these days, and that you know the transfer portal exists uh, for situations like these, but. Um, you know, there's probably going to be a few guys coming in the transfer portal. Um, you know, there's, there, 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 there's going to be new faces on this team next season, regardless of where they come from. So, um, right. that's just the kind of inevitable reality, but, um, you know, step number one is obviously he's got to get the, uh, offensive and defensive staff set up, um, which, you know, we could speculate all night over who that's going to be, but reality, none of us have any idea. Yeah. No, if I, hiring that's anything like hiring the coach, it's going to be a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, you know, we're also, I think a lot of us are also focused on who the offensive coordinator is, uh, who's going to be, you know, I wonder who the defensive coordinator is going to be, um, you know, uh, just with Walters being such a defensive mind, I'm sure he's, um, you know, he's going to look high and low for somebody that really fits his system. Uh, I loved that um, uh, our inside source, Jebediah um, Oswald was telling us that you know, he he was telling the players he's he's basically given the green light to get the best, you know, the best supporting staff that he possibly can, uh, which is a really cool thing to hear, too. So hopefully that gets executed. Shout out, Jebediah. Jebediah. <laughs> shout out. Shout out, Jebediah Oswald. <clears throat> um, yeah, so <clears throat> tomorrow is the first press conference. Um uh, I'm excited to get to know him more. I think his just from like the quick videos that I've seen and like his his small interactions with the players and everything. And like I think one of the first people he saw, at least on 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 camera, anyway, going to the facility was Sanusi Kane, and just that interaction. Like his demeanor is a lot not laid back in a bad way, but a lot more just like chill. I think than than a Jeff Brom, um, which I'm going to be interested to see how the players respond to that. Um, and not that he can't like get fired up and stuff, but he just seems like real like laid back and just kind of mellow. Whereas like Jeff Brown was like that real stern, like father figure, I feel like type of guy. See, so, I get the other vibe from it. I think that oh, dude's really? walking lightning rod. Really? I think he is. That was I mean, my pick too, yeah. One, he's a defensive player. So I, and every defensive player I've ever met is go, 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 go. They're like the energizer bunny on meth. Like they just are nuts and go and 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 intense and hyped up and and I think he's going to be that way, especially <clears throat> once he gets in and starts getting his um, inner workings going and figuring things out and putting his pieces into place. He's going to be juiced up. Mm -hmm. I uh, um, was thinking about 
strength coach. You know, the, the, that's probably one of the bigger hires, um, Purdue. And it's not just to Purdue. I'm sure a lot of schools deal with it. But I think in our in our eyes, Purdue has dealt a lot, you know, especially the last few years, it seemed like with an injury bug, um, especially middle of the season. Everybody's nicked up. Everybody's banged up. People are hurt. We're on like our third string DB by that time. So I think that's a really important hire. Um, I'm just imagining I I don't. I'm, I just keep imagining a Northwestern strength coach coming to Purdue. I don't know if you guys have seen that guy. That dude is like, jokes. when you said yeah. an energizing bunny on crack, that's immediately who I thought. Yes. That dude's yeah. wearing cut off sleeves in like negative five degree weather, banging his head into other people. That's great. Just absolute nutcracker. Well, and that, I think it's important to outline, you know, what, what all he did at Illinois. So, you know, in 2020, according to PFF, which for those who don't know, is kind of emerging as the, you know, the the Ken Palm of football. Uh, all NFL teams use it and over 100 uh, college football teams use it. But, um, you know, according to PFF in 2020, before they hired Walters, Illinois was ranked 121st in overall defense. His first year, he brought them from a ranked 121st up to the rank 34 in defense. This past season, they were ranked number four. Like, that's an insane transition in two years. Like, it has been, I don't know how long, that you know, that it doesn't go that far back, but, like, we haven't been top 50 in a long time. I was going to um, say, what, so, what was Purdue's uh, defensive rating this year? Uh, Give me one second. I'll let you know. Yeah. But while he's looking that up, you know, Dylan or Russ, what, what are your guys' thoughts uh, kind of on the whole Ryan Walters situation? I know we've talked about it a little bit, but do you guys have anything else to add? Oh, Dylan, your uh, your mic's muted. I think rookie mistake. What do you know? Uh, I'll be interested. <laughs> yeah, we added them to the ending credits too early. <laughs> I know. Jesus, I didn't have to ranked ninety four. I wouldn't be here anyway. Uh, no, I'm, I'm excited to see what he does at OC and and who comes to fill that position. Uh, I like. I think everyone else has said. I'm I'm really excited to see a energetic defense which we all know brings a lot of energy to, you know, the crowds and stadiums. And um, I think when you combine the new hire and you combine the new renovations to, uh, to Ross-Aid, and, I mean, there's so much energy around the program. It's, it's ridiculous in, in the best way possible. So I think, uh, I think a fresh, young, energetic coach coming in during renovations and all these cool things happening, I think it's a good time to be a, a Boilermaker every day is, but especially days like today. So um, there's a lot going upward, you know, which is, which is what you want, especially after a, a, such a great coach like Jeff Brom leaves. Um, you don't want to quickly go downhill. And I think we're really battling up and, and, and heading towards uh, the right direction with uh, Walters. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think, um, you know, I, I'll kind of side with Dylan a little bit, but straddle a little bit that uh, he definitely, you know, Coach Walters came in with a sense of confidence, kind of a laid back, cool confidence. But he's got that switch that, you know, I think was it Dan Campbell's the Lions coach. Yeah. He's, he's he's had quite a few sound bites and big huddle moments. I think that's what we're going to see from him. I think he's going to have that switch that when he gets on the sideline or he gets in that locker room, we're going to we're going to see. um let's see a, a good contradiction to what we saw in the bucket game from the other side. Um, yeah. I, th I think his speeches are going to be uh, run oh, through the wall speeches. <laughs> <laughs> Made less and less more. And the, the best part is when they cut away from Tom uh, Allen 
and they go towards the player, and the guy's like, Jesus Christ, what are we, do? what are we doing? Like, who yeah. is this guy? Like, this guy. The guys were like typing. The guys were like typing their transfer portal messages as he was talking. I didn't realize this uh, motivational speech could actually work negatively. But oh, that I don't know why I was compelled to rewatch that today. But yeah, I, what? I feel physical discomfort when I watch that video. He's <laughs> pacing back and right. forth, and he's like on that ledge, so he's higher than all the players, and yeah. all the guys are just like. I think we should check our head. Our <laughs> <DNA today>. <laughs> Smile <laughs> and I guys just push through. It'll be okay. like like he's a, it's almost like he's a Marvel villain or something. Like it just, it's <laughs> so a bad weird, one. Dude, watching that live was villain. so uncomfortable. He yeah. sounds like yeah, a, so, uh, a like David a to answer your question. We were 94th in defense this season. 94. 94th? Yeah. I didn't yeah. think it was that bad. I thought I was thinking like high 50s, low 60s. Man. Okay. And I know he said Ken Palm of football, but you know, division one, there's like what 136 teams. So it's not 90, 94th out of, you know, 300 plus teams. It's, you know, that's what 30th percentile you'd say. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, that's, that, that is accurate, but the, you know, the, these guys collect over 600 data points on every single play. Um, so, you know, so they, they, they look at things like, you know, how well did, did you cover your receiver on every play? Um, versus, you know, only when he's, when the ball's targeted, you know, or when the, when the quarterback targets that guy, um, things like that. So, you know, they're, they're, uh, they take a lot of things into consideration and they adjust it, you know, for, you know, cause looking at things like, you know, how many points do you allow per game? You know, I think Iowa led in that category, but Iowa also beat up on some pretty bad teams at the beginning of the season. So, um, it's really hard to factor that in, you know, into, you know, to use that as kind of the overall metric, but, um, I trust PFF. There's a reason that every single NFL team uses it, so I'm going to go off of what they say. Um, but yeah, this season we are 98. I didn't expect it to be that low either. It's been a while since I've looked at it, but um, you know we're we're right up there with Tennessee in terms of numbers. Tennessee is really good offense and kind of a bad defense, uh, okay. and they're 10 and two in the SEC. So yeah, yeah. I uh, I feel like uh, PFF is like. And, and hold on with me to this comparison. Just don't jump off the boat as soon as I say it. I feel like it's kind of like Elf on the Shelf, but for football players, it's like, hey, PFF is watching. You better, <laughs> when you're out there, you better uh, better be on your best behavior. You better lock it up on defense. It's like, when the, it's like when the Madden ratings are shows up to the sideline in an NFL game. Like, yeah. oh, man. <laughs> oh, no. if, I fumble, if I fumble the ball, I'm going to see him writing on his notes. Like, oh, yeah. I just, I think it's interesting, like, you know, because not – uh, they 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 separate sacks out from you know sacks allowed by the offensive line to sacks allowed by the quarterback. I think that's genius. You know, like some sacks are the result of a quarterback. Like I'm a Steelers fan. Ask Ben Roethlisberger how many sacks Ooh. in his career were his fault. A lot. Yeah, a lot. I mean, a lot of his sacks. Like he he would run around the backfield for 15 seconds sometimes and take a sack, and they sometimes he throw a touchdown too. So not not all sacks are the result. I mean, and just like all interceptions are the quarterback's fault. So the, if the interception hits the receiver in the hands and it gets tipped up and the DB catches it, that interception isn't credited to the, the quarterback. It's credited to the receiver at that point. So it doesn't knock the quarterback for hitting the receiver in his hands. So um, it's a really interesting platform. It's owned by um, Chris Collinsworth. So, oh, you know, okay. it's got to be good. Oh, I need yeah. to start sliding in like Collinsworth at the start of every podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Take a look at this it. guy. So uh, yeah. the other thing I'll say about about building a staff though is um having a defensive minded coach hired that has a proven track record of building a strong defense 
and then have to find a quarter or a, a offensive minded coach when we're known as the cradle of quarterbacks, I give us a better chance of finding that coordinator than the fact that we've had four different defensive coordinators in Brahms tenure. You know, as far as building a program long term, selling that, hey, we're going to roll probably and be a defensive team. And oh, by the way, we have a running back that's coming back who set the freshman rushing record as much as we're losing. Like that makes it somewhat appealing to go get your guy. Yeah. And honestly, um, you know, if he can develop Purdue's defense into what he's developed Illinois in such a short time, you know, I, I don't think Purdue has to go. I think they can. I think with our with our reputation, we can go for a really great offensive coordinator, but I don't think we have to go for like a offensive innovative mind shattering you know play calling genius you know i i don't think we have to i think we just call some, somebody that's a really solid coordinator um you know i think every uh you know the fan favorite the player favorite would be coach Shepard to come back as an offensive coordinator and before we uh because i feel like we're going to transition to basketball here at the last you know 15 20 minutes um of the podcast but before we do that i have this theory and i was telling chris about this before we hopped on here um, cause on Twitter today I saw, you know, uh, pr- somebody predicting the future and they were saying that, you know, um, Walters gets Purdue back to an eight and four year and the year is 2025. And then he, and then Deion Sanders leaves Colorado and, and he goes back to Colorado. Is that Jay money? I believe. I, yeah, I, yeah think so. I think so. Um, and I was in my mind, I'm like, you know, let's think, let, you know, if, Walters does get Purdue maybe really quickly, maybe in like two, three years. He gets Purdue to maybe their first 10-win season in, in God knows how long, um, the second one in school history. And maybe that job does come open because Deion Sanders leaves or, or whatever. Maybe an SEC job comes open and he jumps ship. If you've got a guy like Shepard as offensive coordinator who was already there for four years and then is with you for another two or three, who is loved by the players, really liked by the fans, great recruiter, I think that would be an awesome, easy transition uh, into a head coaching role for um, Shepard. So I, I could see, yeah, that steady climb. Uh, so just in thinking about the future, I think Shepard would be a great offensive coordinator. Um, I'll hit. add a, oh, I'll add a like a little um, <laughs> snippet that I thought of, and I said it earlier today. Defense travels. We say it in basketball all the time, right? Defense travels. Defense doesn't care about rain. Defense doesn't care about wind. Defense doesn't care about anything except tackling the guy with the football. So I think that this is going to benefit us. We might not see it in September, but we'll see it in November. I just want to see some, like, remember the Titans shit where um, they're on the field warming up and it's everywhere we go. <laughs> just, <laughs> just out there chanting and having a good time. No, I, I'm excited. Uh, I think we're all excited. So, um you know, if you're not on the the Walter wagon, I'm gonna hashtag that now. The Love Walter that. wagon. Ooh, if you're not on the Walter it, wagon, get out of here. here first. Yeah, the Walter wagon. I'll make the graphic. Not... <laughs> <laughs> I'll tweet it. Yeah. Um, I I think Purdue football has got a, a really great young, energetic up and comer. Um, and we'll see how it goes. I mean, we have a long time to wait and see until uh, you know, we play Fresno State next year. So. Hopefully he'll be super busy in the transfer portal. He'll be really busy um, recruiting and, and we'll get a great team together for next year. So um, last, last football question. What do we expect Ross to be like first home game? Ooh, I think it's going to be crazy. Nice. Yeah. yeah. I think it's going to be packed. I, 
yeah, I think that he's going to continue. So he's already won over a lot of fans with his whole giving Maccabee a scholarship in the first five minutes after he landed the plane. Uh, he didn't land the plane. Somebody else did, I think. I he could have no, landed, landed the plane. He landed the plane. He landed the plane. That's why he flew from uh, Champagne. But anyway. What can't um, he do? Yeah, ex- exactly. Um, I think that he's going to continue to win over the fan base as time goes on. There's going to be those old crotchety guys that are, you know, on the message boards, you know, still typing away like this because they're old and have to type like this. But I I think he's going to win over the fan base. He's already won over the players. It seems like a good portion of them or the guys that are just, you know, uh, really important to this team. Not saying that there's anybody that's not really important, but just guys that were big players last year. Um, and you know, future big players as well. So, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a packed Rossade next year. Um, not only because of him, but just the, the renovations, the new people want to see the tunnel. People want to hear thunder. Uh, I, I don't know who I need to talk to, but I need to talk to somebody to get that, uh, sorted out. So the renovations um, are for sure done by next season, right? Yes, I, I think so. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. a plan. Yeah. I, I think you your guest, uh, Damon, your guest Wednesday might be able to put you in contact with someone to, to make Dude, that happen that would be Rest awesome yeah by the way uh, before, zone, no one loved you but yeah. <laughs> before we transition to basketball um real quick shout out gonna have markel jones for a quick one-on-one interview tomorrow so tune in for that we're gonna talk about devin mockaby um the freshman rushing record uh and now you know he's we're gonna get his input on the the coaching change as well just to hear about that and and you know his thoughts and kind of what he's heard uh, in the rumblings as well about Walters. So that'll be a good, you know, 10, 15 minute uh, quick snippet. So uh, join in for that as well. But um, so a lot going on for football. Um, not a lot going on for basketball. Just um, 10 and 0, uh, ranked number one, fastest number one ranking in I don't know how many years. The, oh, uh, went from unranked to number one in 34 days. That's the fastest um, ever. Nobody's ever done it before Christmas. Man, he's like a, he's like a, I'm just imagining like a like a cowboy, like yeah, um, <clears throat> just crazy. Uh, this was supposed to be a rebuild year, um, you know. Zach Eady, I was nervous about this year before it started. I'll I'll admit that I was nervous because I I thought Zach was a good player, um, but I didn't expect him to develop and make the jump that he did from his sophomore to junior year. Like, there's balls now that if they're low to the ground, if he's got to bring it up from his, uh, his feet or just like kind of from his, like uh, his waist area that nine times out of 10 is getting taken away. It's getting stripped out last year. Um, we just got a lot of am- immature guys in the chat or in the podcast. You guys, if you guys are watching right now, live, <laughs> oh, a, lot of am- <laughs> a lot of immature bastards, uh, in the live feed, but no, seriously though. Uh, um, but just if- ruined. Yeah, no. So you were you were you were discussing, you know, Edie. He's not turning the ball over nearly as much. Yeah, he's not turning he's not turning the ball over nearly as much. He's able to bring that ball up and you know make something happen. So, um, (laughs) I think it's really. That's the first podcast we had. Can I turn off my video feed? You know, guys, thanks for turning in tonight. Um, we're gonna. I I'm officially quitting the podcast. Uh, Nice knowing everybody. Um. No, I mean, uh, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm honestly not shocked by the fact that we're number one. I mean, uh, I think uh, just you know, personal opinion. Uh, you know, it's between us, UConn, uh, Houston, and Virginia for the best team in the country right now. Um, I said it a lot. You know, I think I even said it on this podcast for basketball season that I don't think we skip a beat. 
But by that, I meant, you know, we don't miss the tournament right. uh, and finish top four in the Big Ten. Um, being number one is a bit of a surprise, honestly, uh, but, you know, not too much of a surprise. It just we're, we're you know, this time of year we're, we're, we're cooking. And, and I, uh, I think the main question is, you know, how can we continue off of this? Um, you know, this weekend we have the lawyer versus lawyer game uh, in Indianapolis. I'll, I'll actually be attending that one. Um, you know, uh, are you working jury duty? No, 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 no. Oh, yeah. That was, <laughs> that was a lot funnier than you guys let it be. All right, go ahead. Yeah. I'm I'm tired of the lawyer jokes, man. They're driving me crazy. Um, yeah, but, somebody uh, said yeah. every time there's a lawyer joke drink, I said that's called alcoholism. <laughs> but last season we saw we saw our number one ranking uh you know come and yeah, that was a great game to be at a, definitely a historic game i'll never forget leaving Mackey and you know everyone's chanting number one and people are jumping up and smacking the stop signs and like you know just celebrating like crazy and uh you know and then it, we immediately came out against nc state didn't look great almost dropped that game um and then we all know what happened against rutgers you know a game where both teams see might they didn't want to win and you know Rutgers we wanted to win a little bit less um so i'll be really curious to see and you know how how we handle that you know the, some people said you know oh this is what's you know we, that we saw this last week with Hofstra and win with nebraska and that you know this is the you know the team can't handle the pressure they can't handle the you know the the limelight and you know, I don't think we did anything wrong against Nebraska. I thought defensively we looked good. Um, I just think that some shots didn't go in. And, you know, as Painter said on a show last night, you know, if a few more of those shots go in, no one's saying we didn't perform well. Um, and I, I stand by that wholeheartedly. Yeah, he rattled off like five different layups alone. And that wasn't even getting into the three-point shooting that we missed. You know, that last play especially drawn up for Lawyer, he was wide open in the corner. Basically the same play he hit the first three of the game on. Mm-hmm. And he just and he just missed it. Like I was, I stood up like ball game, and somehow it didn't yeah. go down. A lot of but, people uh, weren't happy about that play. A lot of people thought that Smith should have taken that layup. Um, I think so. I think there was, there was a Frank's six seven and a six nine guy guarding him. That, that, I mean, yeah, like, I, was, he, I was about to give you credit for that. Poor you. <laughs> um, anyway, <laughs> no, I mean, he, 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 when 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 we get our best shooter a wide open three, I always want that shot. I mean. Now you know the the game was tied, right? That that was that was to win it in overtime um, or in, in regulation. I mean, I would have liked to have seen a you know a you know ha- have him pull up, you know, dribble inside a few feet and you know be a little bit closer just to win the game. But you know he, that that's probably a fifty percent shot for him, you know, being that open. So it just you know just goes to show. And, and well, supposedly we that. tried. Go ahead. Go ahead. I would say supposedly we tried to foul too in regulation. Uh, I, I saw that we tried in overtime and we didn't get the whistle, but supposedly we tried in, in regulation. And got out uh, position or whatever is the way Painter made it sound after the post game. No, uh, I was going to say that uh, the lawyer family says that a three point shot's a layup. So. True. Uh, yeah, they, they, they do say that. I, I didn't realize uh, that they're. Uh, dad's involvement with basketball has been pretty extensive too. Um, he's a scout for the Clippers. I believe yeah. it's the Clippers. So that's um, was something I learned uh, yesterday. But uh, also Painter said, you know, and he'd been recruiting Fletcher since he was 16, had never seen him dunk ever. Really? He said that when you, when you have, you know, been recruiting a player for that long and, you know, you've seen him practice that much, you usually see everything they have in their arsenal. He'd never seen him dunk before. And what's um, crazy is like when he drives the ball – a lot of times I don't think it's going in. I think he's about to get blocked. I think he's going like 
it just it doesn't look like this super strong drive to the basket, but it always is, or it usually is. Yeah, he's got blocking um, guards this year too. So yeah. I think we're conditioned by having shooting guards who were catch and shoot guys only, you know, and, uh, and, you know, Sasha was a terrific player, but that's something, you know, as we talked about with uh, our friend Joe Jackson, that he developed kind of later in his career at Purdue was the ability to attack closeouts and, and, you know, take it to the basket. And, you know, Fletcher looks the part as a freshman. He, he looks really good. I mean, that he was not shaken by the, uh, by the atmosphere there at all. And, and from what no, he said, Smith was either. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I feel like I feel like Smith was a little bit, um, but definitely not as much as, you know, as Flesher was, uh, you know, he he kind of he kind of made that, you know, kind of dumb foul there uh, at the end of regulation, which uh, I think was the a little bit of the full court press they were putting on him getting to his head. And you know, I mean, he, he put his elbow right into the guy's chest and shoved him off and didn't really need to. They had Flesher there, you know, to setting a screen to, you know, to, to get uh, Smith open so he could get the ball inbound. So. That was just kind of a frustration foul in a scenario where we didn't need one, and especially coming off of a you know an offensive foul in Nebraska. That was a huge momentum play for us. But um, one guy I got to give credit to is Ethan Morton in that game too. His defense was insane, just absolutely insane. Like I know I sent you all the breakdown of that one play where he got ran through three screens and still deflected the ball and like saved a wide open three, like just mm-hmm. playing as hard as he could. Can you guys imagine what the lawyer family Christmas would be will be like if Davidson beats Purdue this weekend? Just stop. The, what are you? Okay, I'm just you're off. You were all thinking about it. You no, were all I thinking wasn't. About it. Until oh, now, that's, yeah, that's no. no. Oh, okay. Oh, oh, you're so high and mighty. Oh, oh I never. He's seen. muted. <laughs> Can't do that. It's mean. So I will say, uh, since we started talking about Fletcher, um, we were talking about him playing, you know, Sasha-esque, Klein-esque, like a junior and a senior. And, and some of those things are true, but I think a better comp for him at this point might be Etwan Moore. You know, we talked about the last time we had multiple freshmen starting out the gate in an exhibition game, and it was the baby boilers. And we talked about Braden Smith and how good he was going to be and to expect big things from him. But the way that Fletcher is now not only shooting the three, but driving the ball, I, you know, I think he's got, got that kind of game like Etwan did. Just saying. Yeah. And he hit those uh, free throws right there at the end um, in, in overtime. And it, I was talking to a buddy of mine who has watched, who was watching the game with me. He shoots those so fast. It's like, he doesn't even want he to does. give himself the he chance to think, think about, about it. it. Yeah. yeah. Just like, boom, boom, boom. And he was awesome there at the end. So I, you know, super poised, um, even against the press. Uh, he took the ball up really well, in my opinion. Um, so just great to see that and, stuff from freshmen. And I felt like they were guarding him perhaps a little too physically uh, in that, you know, and, and someone, for anyone who didn't hear the painter show last night, they someone called in and asked about that, you know, like, what, like, was that legal? And painter didn't really say, you know, it was or it wasn't. He said they were just, you know, full court pressing him. But I, I, Thought there was a lot of contact, especially toward the end of regulation. They were, they were kind of up in his face a little close. And you know, for anyone who hasn't heard about the uh, the box outs, they were you know turning around and kind of using their elbows to push players away face to face versus with their backs to him, which is actually illegal. Thanks, Banner, for educating me with that. That was made illegal after a Butler was doing it under Brad Stevens. Um, they were they got away with it a lot supposedly in that game. 
Uh, I just I noticed you know visually that the they were rebounding uh, the they were shoving Edie out of the way to get rebounds basically. Yeah. Um, there was a there was an elbow in Edie small of his back the entire game. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that I think you know why that's why Edie didn't have a air quote here, but a great game. You know, and uh, again he had a double double, and that's a below almost a triple double. Almost a triple double, yeah, and uh, but you know a, a lot of his a lot of his shots come from putbacks, and when you're getting shoved out of the way, you can't get you know you can't get those rebounds and you know put them back in. But yep. uh, you know everyone's saying oh, people are freaking out. Oh, you know they're uh, people know how to guard Edie now. They've learned how how to guard Edie. I, I don't think I mean if you're going to double team Edie on a, on a, a normal night, we make you know four more threes, you know, and then it's it's not a game at that point. You know, we also don't have a guy in Casey Tominaga who, you know, goes lights out from three. And, you know, he, he didn't have a single open three. Either. That's a crazy part is every three, he, he took five threes in that game. Every single one was contested. Uh, man. And what was what was that stat you had on him? Like, if he's he shoots it way he's better. Contested. Yeah, he's 52% on contested threes this season. And he's like 37% on open threes. It's insane. So it's like, what do you, what, what do you just step away, leave them open? Like, <laughs> that that shot he made at the end of regulation was crazy. And he hit he hit probably three shots in that game, and Bardo even said it too. Like, if that shot doesn't go in, he's probably getting benched. So that's yeah. It's a, it, he hit some crazy shots. So uh, hats off to him. He played a great game, and you know, almost took Nebraska in it to win it. But one more thing is too is we we kept um, we kept Sam Greasel at bay. I felt like. Yeah. Like toward the end there, when he kind of um, got the ball, sort of waved off everybody, and was like, "No, I'm going to take Ethan Morton one on one," and did so with ease. I got a little concerned because, like, like that, like that's what he does. That's how he scores, and we didn't see that all game. And I just thought, okay, this is what we're going to see now. This is how they're going to, you know, play the game from here on out. But we shut that down right after he tried it again, and we double teamed him, passed it out, and he didn't try it again. So he probably wasn't 100. percent He was a game time decision due to an illness, but felt like we did a good job on him. How how were you guys feeling? Uh, I think it was towards the end of um, either regulation or overtime. Uh, there was like a an offensive possession for Nebraska where they got like five offensive rebounds in a row. Like Purdue could just not rebound it for their life. I was screaming at my TV. Yeah, that was when my heart rate hit one hundred and seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Painter said he's like. I think he said it in the post game on radio. He said. Uh, He's like, there's just no way that we don't that he's like, it was a miracle that they didn't score on that possession. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, yeah, it was crazy. And like they hit, they missed like three, like what I'll call bunnies, you know, like six footers and then two, three. I mean, it was, it was crazy like that. I just thought this is the one that's going to go in. This is the one that's going to go in. This is the one that's going to go in. And, and somehow we, we weathered that storm, but, um, yeah, you know, what did you all think at the uh, on the foul they called on um, Nebraska there at the very end to send Braden to the line? Uh, do we think that was a foul? Or that what's what's everyone's kind of thoughts on that? I mean, it's interesting when you see a team all out going for the foul, and then they get upset when they get the foul call. Yeah, like <laughs> that was my take. Like, had he escaped, they would have been livid that they didn't call the foul. But because right. the ball just happened to slip out right when they called the foul, I mean. Come on, man. Yeah, it's just it's just bad timing. Um, you know, from it, bad timing if you're a Nebraska fan. But yes, they they were intending to foul him. The ball happened to come out right around the time the foul occurred, maybe a little bit after or a little bit before the foul occurred. But 
they were attempting to foul him. And it just, you know, it's if if the ball doesn't come out, no one's gonna, yeah, no one's complaining about anything. They're executing their game plan. So uh, it's just, yeah. But yeah. it was it was a great great road win for especially for our younger guys. Absolutely. <clears throat> well, um, Purdue plays Davidson this weekend, uh, this Saturday, I believe, in the Indy Classic. Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah, it, uh, it's six p.m. Um, so you're going to be there, right, Frank? Yeah, I'm going to be there. Yeah, Davidson's another uh, another Ken Palm top one fifty team. Um, so uh, they're actually ranked uh, one spot away from Hofstra and Ken Palm. So similar team to what we saw in Hofstra, analytically speaking. Um, kind of the big thing to take away from that game is the Fletcher lawyer versus Foster lawyer. Foster's been on fire this season, so it'll be really fun to watch those two tee off. I can. I just can't help but think about all the like driveway one-on-one like late nights they had growing up. Yeah. So um, it's going to be a fun one for sure. Like I, I just anticipate those two just teeing off. Uh, so it's going to be it's going to be a fun game to to you know be at and, and see in person. But um, yeah, I mean it's uh, I'll, I'll be really curious to see how this team responds after the number one ranking. Um, yeah. So we'll see. We'll, we'll you see. Think they're, they're, uh... They've handled the success so far. Yeah, you sure. think they'll uh, have that game on in the background at the lawyer family Christmas party, just like play, just showing all the highlights from that game? <laughs> is that uh, a lot better? Is that a lot more tame? Is that suitable for you guys for me to say? Is that okay? Yes. Yeah, okay. I like that. Yeah, I, I, I like that a lot better. Um, <laughs> sorry, that Purdue fan came out of me just happens sometimes. So I don't know how much you guys looked into their lineup, but the most interesting thing to me was – that they do have a 6'11 guy. They do. They do have a 6'11 guy. He does start at guard. So I'm thinking Ethan Morton's going to have his hands full a little bit. You know, he gives up a few inches. He's probably not used to giving up four inches, but I'm guessing he'll be on him because watching him play, um, and I'm trying to look up the dude's name real quick here, um, but watching him play, I watched a little bit of, I think it was the South Carolina. Reed Bailey. I was watching the South Carolina game, and the dude literally – he runs around the court looking for that corner three or that open pop out three, but then he'll go in and post up randomly too. So, you know, he's a 42% three point shooter on, yeah. on the season too. I'll say yeah. this while he's at six eleven, he's two ten. Not very big. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, yeah. He's, uh, yeah. he's wiry. Um, yeah. The other thing I noticed about Davidson was everybody can hit a three. They aren't necessarily mm. a great three point shooting team, but it, it seemed like a lot of a lot of guys on their team can just step in and hit a random three. So mm-hmm. rotation is going to be key and, you know, not losing your man, not getting, you know, caught up on a ball screen, not going under a ball screen is going to be huge. I think. Yeah. And we did a really good job of that against Nebraska. We, we, we weren't, we weren't going underneath many screens in that game. Um, like they were, they were trying to run Ethan Morton off of a lot of screens and then same with Braden Smith. And he was just getting skinny and going right over the top of those and not leaving that shooter any space. And you know, Nebraska hit a, hit a ton of contested threes in that game. So, um, yeah, that, 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 that is going to be a key is to try to shut him down from the perimeter, which is actually, you know, historically kind of been a kryptonite for, uh, for Purdue. But, uh, this year our opponents are only shooting uh, 27% from three, which is actually 17th in Ken Palm, which is crazy. Because I always I mean, feel like teams that average ten percent from three come into Mackey and you know go eleven for twenty two or something like that. It just seems to happen every year. I will be. Uh, I'm hopeful that Mason can come back. 
Yeah, so Painter did say that he he had non-contact practice yesterday for the first time since his injury, uh, which is good. Um, so uh, TBD on that front. But um, yeah, he, he, not having him uh, it is um, defensively. I mean, he he's kind of that in, in that help position a lot, and he plays it really well. So uh, I think you know missing that is the reason we've looked a little odd defensively. But first is really picked up, especially against Nebraska and that role. So. Um, you know, if, if he's there, I'll be happy, but I'm confident we can still get this win without him. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Dylan, you have anything to add? Any last thoughts? No, like I told you guys in our group chat, every time I turned on the game, Purdue would start doing badly. So I uh, didn't watch much of it, to be honest, because I'm very, very superstitious, and Chris was shaming me for doing so. Was. But, uh, he kept telling me to turn off the game, so I turned off the game. But – um yeah, Edie's good at basketball, man. <laughs> he's just tall. All I got. Yeah, he's, he's just tall, tall, man. Late hockey. People forget that. Drink. Drink. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, God, cool. the lawyer well, jokes are going to be a plenty. Uh, oh, my God, they yeah, are. Yeah. Glad I won't be watching that one on TV for that reason. Don't do dude, it you in should, the Dude, please, I know you hate the jokes, but please just make a shirt that says, uh, I'm here for jury duty. Please. <laughs> I just, I just, I can I get do. one before the game. I don't have a whole lot of time, but yeah. and then get beat up. Yeah. <laughs> they get beat up. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, just that's what cow. Damon's saying. Go get beat up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, why would play. that? Why would that get you beat up? I would beat him, but no, I'm just kidding. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think it's <laughs> make sure you don't run into Dylan then while you're there. Yeah. I think, be there, um, I think it, but yeah. So, be, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just gonna say. I think it'd be funnier. To hear Frank explain that he doesn't like those jokes while he's wearing a jury duty shirt, like also true. <laughs> yeah, it's like I lost a bet. You could just say you lost a bet. There you go. Um, but anyway, so uh, just want to wrap up the podcast here. We're about ten minutes past the hour mark. So, um, first of all, just want to say, you know, again, uh, if you if you're watching this live, or if you watch it live, or if you're if you end up watching us on YouTube. Um, you can check out the graphic there at the end of the intro. It tells you all the platforms that were on Spotify, YouTube, here on Twitter, um, and all those ways that you can follow all of us. Um, appreciate that. If, if you uh, are so inclined to do that, um, that would be great. Um, <clears throat> just as a, a, a reminder, uh, again, tomorrow, uh, I'm going to have a, a sit-down little one-on-one Q&A with uh, Markel Jones. going to talk about um, the freshman single season rushing record that was broken by Devin Mockaby. Talk a little bit about Mockaby, what he's been for the Purdue program, uh, the future of our, our, our running game and, you know, ability to recruit running backs. Um, and we'll probably talk about uh, Ryan Walters a little bit as well, just to get his kind of um, feelings on that. So um, should be a good quick conversation. Hopefully you guys tune in for that. Uh, I think it'll be a good time. Um, another one. So just going to throw that nugget out there again. Uh, you've heard this if you listened to last week's episode, but I'm going to put it out there again. Uh, January 10th, Trevor Peters is going to be a guest on the show. So um, big part of the Purdue media team. Um, going to be exciting just to hear that take from him and everything. Um, <clears throat> and then next week is our last week before uh, we take like a Christmas break. So we're going to be out for at least a couple weeks um, for uh, the week after Christmas. That'll be the 27th and the week after that. Um, so last week will be our last episode of 2022, you guys. So um, it's nice. been cool. We've been doing this since July, I think early August now. So it's cool. It's crazy that it's it's wrapping up now. Um, but yeah, also real quick, just want to uh, send our condolences to the Mike Leach family. 
Um, you know, we uh, heard, everybody heard the news this morning that uh, Leach, uh, Coach Leach passed away. Uh, I believe it was due to complications from a heart attack. So, um, you know, condolences, prayers to his family, to the Mississippi State football program and everybody else involved in his life. Um, he was a character, um, but also a great offensive mind. And I'm sure he was a great person, too. So um, condolences to, to everybody that was uh, that knew him personally. So um, both all that being said. You know, Coach Walters is here at Purdue, whether you like it or not. Um, we're all on the hashtag Walter Wagon. Hopefully, you Walter can join to No, seriously, that'll that'll be that'll be sick. Um, but now the, they're gonna yeah, the steal hashtag, it from us. No, we uh, <laughs> um, the hashtag Walter Wagon. Uh, hop on if you can. Um, and yeah, it's gonna be awesome. So basketball is number one. Um, not a lot to say, but just other than it's a great time to be a Boilermaker. So thank you all for tuning in so much. Check us out on all our platforms, and we'll, we'll look forward to seeing you next week. Boiler up. Boiler up. Boiler up. Boiler up.